folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, our second part in the series of Five Vikings, where I bring on guests and they tell me about five Vikings, and there will be a theme each time, sometimes like with Patrick Royce in our last episode, it was his five favorite to cover and write about, and in this case, it is just a Vikings fan telling you his five favorite Vikings of all time, and that Vikings fan is Chuck Aoki. I think a lot of you on Twitter probably follow Chuck for his Vikings rants. Chuck is a Paralympian. He has a bronze medal, a silver medal, wheelchair rugby. Uh, Chuck, what's going on, man? Hey, I you know, I appreciate you having me on. It's super exciting to get to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Matthew Collar himself. You know, it's pretty, you know, as a humble Vikings fan, I just feel so excited and honored to be, to be asked to be a part of this. But yeah, no, I've Played wheelchair rugby for most of my adult life, actually, and it's taken me to do some incredible things and incredible places. So I'm just just excited to be here and talk a little bit out of that, talk about the Vikings, you know, all that all that good stuff. Yeah, I want you to tell me about wheelchair rugby first and how one <laughs> becomes a Paralympian and a medal winner. I mean, how yeah. <laughs> how did that happen for you, Chuck? Yeah, well, you know, I, I use a wheelchair. I grew up using a chair uh, when I was about 10 years old. I have a super rare genetic condition. I won't try to make you pronounce it or explain it because it's probably a little too tricky for you there, Matthew. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically I used the chair. My parents, though, growing up, were like, hey, you're playing sports. And I love sports. You know, I'm from Minnesota. I grew up watching the Twins, the Vikings, all that stuff. And so, of course, I wanted to play sports, uh, but I couldn't play baseball. I couldn't play soccer. You know, all those things. I would just get hurt too much. And so I first found wheelchair basketball. I grew up, I loved playing over at Courage Kenny in Golden Valley. Shout out to them. If you're ever, if you're ever looking for that in Twin Cities, be, go over there. Um, and so I played that growing up. But then when I turned, I was about 15 years old, this movie called Murderball came out. I don't know if you ever heard of Murderball. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah. Much, yeah, much more fondly uh, name of it back in the day. Um, and it was a documentary about the 2004 Paralympic team. And so 15-year-old me who loves football and loves hockey suddenly sees this sport where guys in wheelchairs are smashing to each other. They're talking trash. They're out partying. They're doing all these things, talking about girls. And it's like, well, hey, that uh, sounds pretty good. You know, I think I want to try that. And, of course, my mom sitting next to me is like, uh, no, I don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> you know? uh, so we went back and forth about it for, you know, a little while. And finally she said, okay, you can go check it out. So I – 
went to a practice in the gym and, you know, it's, it's some of the guys were like former uh, college football players. They're like big dudes, you know, in their thirties and forties. And here comes, you know, 15 year old me, 130 pounds dripping wet. And they kind of looked at me like, you want to play rugby? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Let me, they're like, okay. You know, it's a very welcoming sport. And so they put me in a chair and I got knocked around. I crashed into walls. I got went flying, tipped over all this stuff. Um, as we drove home, my dad was like, so he was kind of skeptical because he watched me basically get beat up for an hour and a half straight. And it's like, how was that? I was like, that was awesome. Like, I loved it. And that's the, that's how I got involved. And then, you know, I just happened to be sort of lucky to be really good, really, you know, good at the sport naturally. And so I, I trained for a long time. I went and played at the University of Arizona for a couple of years. I have a collegiate team there, made some really good friends, uh, got really, was able to train with some really excellent athletes and, you know, just basically worked really hard and made the Paralympic team in 2012. We won a bronze medal there, which was actually a little bit of a disappointment. We came in ranked number one, finished third, which was a bummer. Uh, and then we went on to, I kept training for Rio. We got silver, which we got so much closer. And then I'm just been currently still training for Tokyo, which will hopefully happen later this year. We just got to get, uh, got to get the pandemic a little more under control, which you would know something about pandemics affecting sports industry i think so i don't think that's any new territory for you but yeah it's just been a it's been a wild ride you know it's a physical fun sport like you said we used to call it murder ball something we should still call it murder ball but it doesn't play as well with corporate sponsors for whatever reason i don't, <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know yeah i don't i don't know i don't know i don't get it but <laughs> yeah i i thought i of calling this purple kill people on the other team but you know i just yeah. thought same thing you know soda stick was against it uh but that no that's <laughs> that is a, a great story chuck it's very cool and i can now sort of see why you're you know such a big football guy like you love this physical sport and um Obviously, you're really good at it. Were you were you just good right away? I mean, did you did you kind of like right away figure this out? Like, how how did you discover? Like, I could do this at not just sort of a at the rec center, right. but like the real yeah. deal. Yeah, well, it's a good question. So, like I said, I grew up playing wheelchair basketball, and so I you know I played that, and I wasn't super good at that. I was really good. I was pretty fast. I was pretty quick. I have a terrible shooter. I am just objectively like. I don't, I'm, I am, I am worse than Andrew Wiggins. I am, <laughs> I am worse than Andrew Wiggins and Michael Beasley. Yeah, I, I, I own it though. See, I, see, I own this. I know how bad I am. There are certain people who don't know how bad they are. Anyway, um, let me start dragging people through shots. the mud here. You didn't do 21 foot shots? No, all no, the time, I was like just inside was, three point line. No, no, that my, my teammates literally would have thrown me out of the gym if I'd done that. I think. So. <laughs> Uh, no, so I grew up playing that. So I got a lot of, you know, what we call, we call them chair skills, the ability to turn the chair really quickly. Cause it takes a long time to learn how to use, um, a wheelchair really effectively in sports. And so I had a lot of experience doing that before I came to rugby. And what worked out perfectly with rugby is it took all the things I was good at, which was quick turns, you know, defense, guarding, and it eliminated the one thing that I was just horrendous at, which was shooting the basketball and said, you don't have to do that. All you got to do is cross this line with the ball. And it was like, you know, it was like, it was like the sun started shining in front of me, you know, and I was like, oh, oh, what is this? The sport that I could score at will at? You know, it was so much easier. And so it came, it came very naturally to me. Um, and also I, not to get too in the weeds on the sport, there's something called classification with different people with different levels of functional ability. And I tend to have, and I, I'm on the higher end of functional ability. And so that helped me, um, move into the sport a little quicker. But what happened was, you know, my team, Minnesota, we weren't very, we were, you know, we were okay. We were a fine team. But the first year we went to the national championships where I was on the team, 
we actually made it to the um to the, to the championship game for our division, kind of oh. a division two type thing. Yeah, and the national team coach, you know, was at Nationals and was like, who is this random kid who suddenly his team is in the championship? Like, we've never heard of these people. Um, and then I got invited to to try out for the national team, and I was like the most nervous I've ever been. Like, I mean, like throwing up in the chat, the locker room before training started. Like, I didn't know anything. Like, I didn't know what we were doing at trap. Like, okay, we're gonna do, you know, your your endurance test. I was like, okay, what is that? And like, oh, you're gonna push a mile around this carpeted track. And I was like, okay, I had never pushed farther than like ten hill spreads. But I was like, sure, why not? And so I started off sprinting. And if you know anything about distance running, the one thing you should not do is sprint <laughs> yeah, right. immediately. Right. And so I took off, and I, I could hear them being like, "Oh, he's going pretty fast. Like this, he's gonna be awesome if he can keep it up." Fast forward about thirty seconds, I could not keep that up, um, and so I did poorly. But I, you know, I had enough talent, was able to make the team. But I, you know, I just I've worked really hard. I've tried to always be a, a player who makes the people around him better. You know what? A, you know, kind of that classic sports concept right like if you make people around you better it's the most effective thing you can do um but uh yeah just you know i've worked really hard at it and tried to train and just be the best athlete i can possibly be which is um, so many cliches in one sentence there yeah but i know wow. it's hard it's hard it's hard to get too deep into it without <laughs> burying deeper in the weeds of wheelchair rugby which you know anyway if there was ever a podcast to bury people in the weeds about wheelchair rugby, it is this podcast. It is the, oh, it is okay. Well, that's fair. Well, then I can we can spend the next two hours talking about that. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a really like you said, it's a fun, it's a physical sport. I've never been afraid of the contact. I like to hit people. I like to knock people over. I don't mind getting knocked over, which is kind of the thing. Which I think if you're gonna play contact sport, you have to sort of embrace that that urge, that, that, that thing. And, you know, I, the other thing I guess I'll say, and I think I see this too, which is why I like watching professional sports, right? I prefer professional sports. I know some people like collegiate sports, but I prefer professional sports. And for me, it's because everybody says, what does it take to be an elite athlete, you know, at that top level? And I say, what, well, here's the thing, at that level, everybody's fast. Everybody's good. Like, they're, they're, you know, you know this, right? There's nobody on an NFL team who is like a scrub. Like there just are, I mean, well, there are some mm-hmm. few stuff. <laughs> but it's some as long point, as not the Vikings offensive yeah. line. Hey, oh. Uh, or defensive line now. Well, defensive put, it, line. put it this way. Anybody who gets a second contract isn't a scrub. Right, exactly. And or and to get to that level, they had to do something impressive. Right, yeah. Usually, right? They had yeah. to at some point to itself. And so what I say to people is, it's uh, you know, it's, it's great to be physically strong. And I'm strong, I'm fast. But it's the mental side of it that it really would push the next level. You have to be able to think at this quick pace. It's not just enough to dominate. And that's why I like pro sports so much is because everybody is thinking and operating at such a high level. You have a huge LeBron fan, and he's the same way, right? He just He's operating. He sees things before they happen. I like to think that's one of my strengths is the ability both offensively and defensively to kind of anticipate where the other team's going and make a key stop or to know that, you know, I don't have to do – I can rather than try to beat the double team I know if I wait an extra second, my teammate's going to come open. I can throw a deep throw. So I like to think that you know, I'm, I'm really strong mentally, and that's hopefully one of my skills that I bring to the table that's allowed me to succeed for such a long time. That Man, that's, that's a great It's a great point, and it applies to football as well. And it's something that I like to talk about is that, 
you know, when it comes to 40 times and all those things at the combine, those are great. And you need physical yep. freaks. And sometimes, you know, physical <laughs> freaks turn to be uh, the highest ceiling players if they can master yep. all that mental part. But a lot of times it, when we talk about why did a guy go bust or why didn't he work out? Like, because he couldn't master, master the technical part. It wasn't like, exactly. I even, you know, think this about Laquan Treadwell. Like, everyone made it about <laughs> his 40 time. And look, he wasn't fast. But if you're right. not that fast, you need to master the technical part, and he couldn't master that. And that's why Justin Jefferson, I think, is so special because exactly. he gets all those things down, and then it goes along with the physical prowess. So I think that that's a, a great point about what it takes to be at the absolute highest level. Well, I just love that we know each other because you know you <laughs> follow well. You followed me, um, you know, a while back, and we've chatted oh, yeah. about the Vikings a bunch of times. And so you know, I get to kind of follow through your tweets and and things that <laughs> you put out there, your career, and I think that's very cool. And I'm really glad that you could come on and tell your story. And now we're going to talk about your five favorite Vikings because you, um, even though you understand the plight of the pro athlete, you also get frustrated as hell watching the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course I do. I, 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 I survived. You know, I, yeah, I, I try not to be too harsh because I, I get it on one level, but on the other level, it's like, come on, man, <laughs> come on, you're professional. It shouldn't be that. Anyway, so yeah, yes, right. yes, I'm very excited. Okay, so let's start with the first guy on your list. And you did not go off the board here. You went with Randy Moss. And now look, everybody likes Randy Moss. But tell me specifically for you, your I love Randy Moss story. Yeah, that, that's a, it's, a, it's a really good question because it, it, it's like the most basic answer. Who's your favorite Vikings of all time? Oh, Randy Moss. Like, oh, duh. I, I, Randy Moss is the first football player I remember like remembering which is a weird way to put that but I think you get what I mean right yeah, definitely. he's the first one because you know we drafted him in 98 I was seven years old and it was the first time that I you know I started watching with my dad he's from Oregon so they didn't have a pro football team so he kind of just adopted all the Minnesota teams as his own um and he was like oh let's you know let's watch let's watch the um let's watch the Vikings they got this new player you know he's got this you know, a dad telling a seven-year-old looking like, hey, he's got all these issues. He's just like, oh, you know, he's a little – had some problems, but, you know, he should be really good. And I just remember watching this guy who was so fast, and he could jump and, and just – and everybody remembers this game, but I just remember Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving, we always like to watch football on Thanksgiving. And watching this guy utterly dominate on Thanksgiving Day was like – I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like, I can't – this is – this is awesome. Let's, this is going to be perfect, you know? And so that 98 season is the first season I really remember. And, you know, that season was just driven by Randy Moss. Obviously, I was seven, so I don't remember the details of it too much. But it's funny. I also remember, not to get too far off Randy Moss, but when they missed that field goal, I was like, oh, that's okay. Like, you know, I was, I was bummed. I was sad. But I was like, well, that's fine. We're really good. We'll be here all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> by the way, I, that, that's not to take this on a different path, but I was thinking the same thing for Bills fans when uh, mm -hmm. they were talking about losing to Kansas City. Like, hey, we'll be right back there. Like, well, you know, well, the Vikings have said that a couple of times. Yeah. They've reached championship games. I'll tell you what I like about Randy Moss specifically, aside from yeah. just like you mentioned, fast jumping, so fast. catching, like those just things. Utterly dominant physically, you know. But, I always had, there's always a part of me that wants someone to succeed when I feel like they've been unfairly treated. And now yeah. Moss earned some of his reputation. <laughs> he certainly did. But the things that they were holding against him in the NFL draft, I thought, 
I don't know how that correlates to someone not succeeding because I, right. you know, I'm a little older than you, grew up watching the Dallas Cowboys, and I don't yeah. think they were choir boys, the Dallas Cowboys that won Super Bowls <laughs> in the early 90s. But I just I – I remember – listening to the NFL draft on the radio as a kid because we didn't have cable. Wow. Was drafted. And they was were it still like, Kuiper? Was it still Kuiper then? Uh, yeah, I think so. I might have been. Okay. I, I don't remember who was on the radio doing this. But they were oh. just hammering Randy Moss. They were hammering. Right. I mean, I was a kid. I was probably like 12. But they were just <laughs> hammering him like, oh, he's not dressed appropriately at the draft. And oh, he's my this God. And he's this. And I just thought, man, I hope this guy shoves it up there, you know? And, yeah. and boy, did he ever. And I think that's a part of it that makes Moss just like so loved, even though at times he was problematic for the Vikings. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good point, too, is it's you and everyone's piling on. You're like, bro, like, did this guy like, he didn't, like, what, like what is going on here? You know, like, why, are we, why do you want to oppose this guy so badly? I think that's a good point. I certainly, you know, over the years have come to appreciate him even more, realizing He's a great, he was, he was greatness. Watching greatness to me has something over the years I've been, I've become so much a big fan of because, you know, it's easy to hate the great player. Like, oh, Tom Brady, I hate Tom Brady. And Tom Brady does some things that I don't like. And obviously he comes off as like, you know, robot Tom Brady execute quarterback play. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but I, what I've come to appreciate with people like him, Moss, all these guys is you're, you're only going to see truly great players so often. So you really should just appreciate them. And accept it. And, you know, yes, they'll have flaws, but this is why we shouldn't make sports players into like, you know, the greatest people who should be listened to for everything, right? We should just enjoy them for what they are. And so I think I've come to appreciate Moss for similar reasons as you over the years. It's just, this guy's amazing. And because in Madden, you can just, it was just like, it's too easy. You just dominate, you know? He's like, oh, you're always picking the Vikings. Hey, that's my team. I can pick them. That's my team. No one can get mad at you. Anybody who is in the 1% that had Sega Dreamcast knows that on 2K2, <laughs> Culpepper and Randy Moss were literally unstoppable. You could you could score 100 right. points a game by just throwing just, a bomb every single time to Randy Moss. Um, that's a, that is a good point how video games for people in our era certainly mm-hmm. shape the way that we have our, our fandom as well. Let's um, – the well, fandom and the way we think about it, which reminds me, did you ever play the 2K game where you could do first-person football? No, do I don't that? think so. You never play. Oh, we will have. You might have to do a whole episode about. It. There was a two K five game at one point. You literally could play first person. It was like the coolest thing ever. Okay, I have I have two K five and I played it a ton. I, I thought know, it was okay. I didn't know that there was this mode on it that you could play like inside the helmet. Yeah, yeah. You, oh, I gotta. I got. I'm not the one to suck now. Because yeah, yeah, there was yeah. one of the two Ks. Hundred percent had a mode where you could play first person football, and it was like this is the future. Sport game, and they never did it again. It's such a bummer. Yeah, yeah, because 2K5 was the end because EA yeah. Sports basically bought out the exclusive rights to Madden, and then we've never yeah. gotten it back. But I, I've never discovered this mode. I just kind of played it normally. I, so I might have the wrong air. We'll, we will, we will follow Fake, up. Yeah, it. find it out. We will find look it into it. But yeah. that is that is amazing. Um, so okay, anything, anything more yes. that you wanted to say about Moss before we move on to your next guy? No, I mean it's just. He's a legend. He was so incredible. Yeah. Like I said, the kickstart of my fandom, like, this guy's awesome. So, and, yeah. And also, it's to me, it's also part of it that's cool about Randy Moss is how much Vikings fans have 
kind of gotten to learn about Moss since mm-hmm. that during yeah. his career, maybe you didn't understand him very well and you just loved watching him catch touchdowns. But then Rand University comes out, which is really mm-hmm. in depth about all the things that he went through to kind of make him who he was. And I was lucky enough to be at a press conference where he talked about how he kind of regretted, you know, shutting everybody out when he was in Minnesota right. and just sort yeah. of only, you know, kind of, only focusing on football and not really becoming part of the community the way that maybe he could have. So I think that that's kind of part of his long lasting legacy um, in Minnesota. So your next best guy, I love, I love this pick because yes. I watched this guy when I was growing up in Buffalo. Oh, that's and, right. That's and then right. He came, yes. he's one of the many Buffalo to Minnesota guys in Pat Williams, man, there is nobody who's stuff in the middle like Pat Williams. Oh man, Pat Williams. I just, I have, I, I love players who, if you looked at them and you just looked at them and say, that's a professional sports player. <laughs> like you look at them, you're like, that really? Pat Williams, man. Like you said, you just, the Williams wall back in the day, you know, I mean, and you, like you said, he had a long career. That guy, I just, I love watching this gigantic human being. And there's no other way to describe Pat Williams than just a sheerly gigantic human being just rumbling down the line and making a tackle. Like, I just love why, and like you said, he stuffed the middle in such a way. It was, um, he was, uh, he was Linval Joseph before Linval Joseph. Like, just, it was like, you're going to run and get this guy. Okay. Sure. Good luck. Like, I just, I, I loved watching someone that big, but also that athletic, right? Like also that athletic. It just, it, it just amazes me. It was just, he was, he was fun. He was athletic. And it just, like I said, just, and he was so dominant, you know? I want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, you can get free shipping at SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman's Spin Doctor shirts, Skull hats, Straight Cash Homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you are a hockey fan with that getting going soon or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on Super Soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping it was uh really incredible to see him when the other team would throw a screen or would run to the outside and you would be uh, watching Pat Williams at 300 and question marks, rush, you know, running down the, the line to take somebody down. It's like, I actually talked with uh, Rick Spielman once about Linval Joseph for a, a story. And he said that Linval reminded him of Pat Williams because Linval had that quickness element to it. And Pat Williams had the same part. And I think that any guy like that, is a lovable character to his fan base, right? And the fact that they had the Williams wall with Kevin Williams just being dominant as well, they played off of each other. Sometimes we don't, um, you know, give people enough credit for that. Like, you know, the circumstances and the teammates and how they, um, how they impact each other. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. good. You're good if yeah. you want to let your dog out. No, 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 no. That's okay. They oh, can okay. Wait. All right. They, they can wait a second. They're okay. not, they don't this... get to demand and dominate this world. Okay. All right. Well, this <laughs> I was going to say, this is not the first uh, appearance of a dog on the, the podcast. Ah, oh, very good. Okay, excellent. No, I, I think you're totally right about, about Pat Williams. And just, the, yeah, like you said, the, that he seemed to just embody something about those teams, right? He just was this big epic just presence. I just, yeah, 
I just, I don't know, I don't know why I have this fascination with massive athletes, but I think it's so cool, right? Like you don't see massive human beings like anywhere else, you know? It's like, where else would Pat Williams do? Could you imagine if you went to like get a bank loan and there was Pat Williams? <laughs> yeah. funny. You'd just be like, you'd be like, uh, Hello. Right. <laughs> so, right. What else? What else would Pat Williams be than a nose tackle in the NFL? What right. else could he be? And again, you know, I, I, my my favorite players are often unfairly or fairly linked to really good times of their era. And Pat Williams was on the team when they were a really good, really fun, you know, bunch of guys to look at. And back when, you know, obviously it's always been passing, but back when defense could, you know, it felt like could impact more on that team with him and. Uh, Jared Allen and just all those guys. Antoine Winfield, shout out to the, that guy. He just, he, he just missed my list, by the way. I should note. He was like, you know, like first off. I love watching Antoine. An- another Buffalo, right? Yeah. Yep. And, um, one of the reasons that I, as a young child, did not trust the Bills organization for letting Antoine Winfield go. I remember specifically my rage about Pat Williams and Antoine Winfield playing for another team. And every time they would be on TV with the Vikings, I would be saying to my dad, look at how good they are. Look what they're doing. Why did the Bills let them go? And, of course, Vikings fans were enjoying the heck out of how good they were. And that was that's a good point that there are some defenses in that era with these guys that are just – dominant and in 2009 like like, it's not talked about because of Favre how great the defense was but it really was um you know fantastic so the next guy on your list is of just straight up bizarre pick I'm going to tell you the truth this is this is shocking I when I that's fair that's fair okay Pat Williams okay Matt Asiata is your next pick oh yeah I thought oh yeah did you you hit your head playing wheelchair rugby when you were making the list (laughs) Matt Asiata, you just explain. So I, I always, I always love just sort of the guys who are, you know, who are, I, I write unheralded guys. And I think part of that actually comes from my background in basketball because I was, it, it doesn't quite work the same as able by basketball, but I was basically the fifth man. I was the, I wasn't going to shoot. I wasn't going to score. I was going to do the dirty work and work hard and kind of the unsung type stuff. And so I love guys who are sort of unsung type players, but I also like them when they're skill positions. You know, like I would love nothing more than Mike Boone to succeed. I want Mike Boone to turn into like this rock star. That would just give me so much happiness. When Amir Abdullah hit that screen pass this season, I was like, my man, like, let's go. Let's, let's just, I, I love it when people in that position succeed. And Matt Asiata, you know, he was the backup for AP for a couple of years there. But then once the year AP was, uh, I think it was the year he was suspended. I can't quite remember. I'll be honest. Either, yeah. Matt, they were like, well, we don't have anybody else. So, because uh, Chester Taylor was gone and uh, I don't, I don't think they had, oh, Jarek McKinnon yet. I don't think they had McKinnon yet. So it was he, like, well. Uh, he was on the team at that time. It was a, they did okay. like a, uh, a duo of As- Asiata and McKinnon. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. That's right. And that, um, I think Gerhardt was gone. Oh, Toby Gerhardt. Another, <laughs> just, what a, what a, what a, what a player. Um, but so Asiata just, he was like this little bowling ball. You know, he, he's that, he's that like bowling ball type mode of running back who just looked like you're like, man, that guy, sh-, another one, like that guy shouldn't be very good. He shouldn't be able to do stuff, but he would get the ball and he would just rumble downhill and suddenly he'd, he'd have three yards. And it was like, okay, this guy's okay. And then what my favorite part about him though is that he just racked up touchdowns in this one year. Yes. The dude had nine touchdowns nine, yep. in three games. He had three three touchdown games. 
and this I don't know why. I will admit this is this is a little weird on my end. I get it. It just endeared him. He endeared himself to me in such a way that season that it's just hard to I don't know something about the combination of he he was thrust into this unfair position. It's like all right, you got to just go out and you know do your best. You got to go out there and, and work hard. You got to go out there and try to replace Adrian freaking Peterson. Right, like, and he and he went out there. He was okay. You know, he wasn't great, but he he did fine. And maybe it's also this affinity I have for backup running backs. So like, let's just we should let's make backup running backs the new backup quarterback. If you know what I mean. Like, oh yeah, everybody's right. favorite guy. Everybody's favorite guy, <laughs> right? Uh, slight, like, let's just promote that guy all the time. Slight fact check: He had two three touchdown ah. games and one two touchdown game. So oh, uh, that's right. Okay, but, but, but how funny is that though? That that has to be one of the weirdest. Like, how many running backs in NFL history have multiple three-touchdown games in a single season? And Matt Asiata is on that list. <laughs> Another thing that I That's thought – That's what I'm saying. So I got here in 2016, which was his last year in the NFL, and mm. so he was uh, – same sort of thing with him and Jarek McKinnon. Did not work as well as 2014. They had not a great no. running game. But no. my favorite thing no. about Matt Asiata was that he – averaged over eight yards a catch because it seemed like the team, the other team had no thought that he would catch a pass. <laughs> and he was actually a halfway decent pass catcher. And if there was a running back on this team recently who deserved a neck roll, it was Matt Asiat. It, he, he was built like a fullback. He looked like a fullback, but he, but he was a running back. It could be like some sort of, some sort of like credo or motto there, but yeah, no, he, yeah, exactly. And 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 the I forgot about the pass catching thing. He was also pretty good out of the backfield like catching the ball, which of course any dedicated player of Madden knows that if you call the right plays, the running back and fullback is always open. Yes, of course. Just, so that is just, just dial it up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I forgot he was a he was a good pass catcher. Yeah, eight yards of carries, eight yards of catches, nothing to sniff at. No, that's Not bad. Yeah, no, that's solid. Um, so the uh, I, I I'm I'm going to give you credit though because I think that every Vikings fan has their guy that they're like, hey, that guy didn't get any credit. And sometimes it's like preseason guys, as you know from where I'm some, sometimes having to be like, guys, look. Alexander Hollins is not the difference between you and a championship. Okay. Like I get it, but he's not. Um, but I think that it's part of great, a great part of fandom is where you have guys that sort of show up on the team for a couple of years mm-hmm. that are not big names, but they made it at the highest level and they scored touchdowns in the NFL and they contributed something positively. And I, I've thought about this a lot with this team this year is it's mm-hmm. one thing they were missing. They were missing yeah. those guys where you're like, man, I never expected Anthony Harris to be really good and get six interceptions. And all of a sudden he kind of came out of nowhere. Same thing with Matt Asiata. You never expected him to score nine touchdowns in a season, but <laughs> hey, good for you. The next guy on your list, I wrote about last year, just a, a pure article of the appreciation of Dante mm-hmm. Culpepper because oh, yeah. for me growing up now, video games is a big part of this with Dante Culpepper <laughs> Um, I, I just enjoyed watching the guy play. I mean, I think in terms of quarterback aesthetics, he has one of the greatest of all time, like this tight end sized dude who has weirdly little hands who could throw (laughs) the ball like 7,000 yards. I mean, it just like, is there any more fun player to watch than Dante Culpepper? I, I, you know, I, they, we say this all the time. I wonder if Dante Culpepper had played in a different era, like what, what, what he could have been. Now he got derailed by injuries, so you know that's always right. kind of hard to say how it is. But 
But you're so right. He just had this aesthetic. It was Pep, man. It was Pep. Pep's getting your roll on, you know, like his celebrations. He did all this stuff. Oh, it just, he just, yeah. I mean, he was, he's, you know, if Randy Moss was the first, like, kind of player I really remember, he was the first, you know, quarterback. I mean, you know how important quarterback is. So that first one is really the one that sticks with you. And just watching, just watching him just launch just bombs. And I mean, we're talking a cannon of an arm. I went back and watched some of those highlights the other day just because I was like, you know, I was thinking about this, getting nostalgic. And he could throw the football a very long way. Yes. Like a very long way. That guy was, and he's huge. He was hard to bring down. He was pretty fast. Like I said, I, I wonder in a, in a slightly different era where maybe they would have let him do, they could have called plays. I just wonder if he could have been great, something better. But um, yeah, no, he's the first quarterback I remember. And then again, throwing the Moss. Um, and just, just, just fun teams, you know, and it's, it's, it's too bad. It, his career just kind of petered out, you know, but, uh, that's just the reality of the NFL, unfortunately, for a lot of guys. But yeah, right. no, Culpepper just had this, yeah, this aesthetic was a great way to describe it. Why would I even try to reinvent that? You, uh, but you make a great point just about how he might have been in this era where you see easier answers for quarterbacks in a lot of plays. I mean, we, we see, um, a, a, an offense with play actions and rollouts. The play action percentage when he was playing might have been one in ten dropbacks, and now right. it's it's one in three dropbacks for most quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I, I even went back and looked at this with play action from five or six years ago, and the top quarterbacks weren't even at thirty percent. Now there's guys that are pushing forty percent of their dropbacks or play action, and it's because everyone figured out that it works. And it works <laughs> with with Dante. It was pretty much like stand back there in the shotgun. <laughs> and throw it down the field 15 20 30 50 60 yards and that's that or run and that's pretty much yeah. it and yeah absolutely have to wonder if the guy had some easier answers uh one cool thing Gus Ferrat told me about Dante Culpepper is that mm. Gus would send in the plays and he would uh-huh. add things like they allowed him to send in the plays to Dante and he would add things for Dante to look for so he would say, oh, wow. here's the play, and hey, by the way, you know, watch the blitzing safety or something like that. And he would sort of give him like, or, you know, remember to read the Sam linebacker on this play and things like that. So uh, I thought that was kind of Dang. a cool little story that um, Gus told on the podcast. Um, I don't know. A, a, That's so know. cool. Yeah, it was like. That's that, so cool. They had some awesome quarterback rooms. Like, how about the arm strength of Gus, uh, uh, or not Gus, I mean, Jeff George. And oh, yeah. Dante oh, Culpepper in the same quarterback room in 1999. It's crazy. That might that might be the strongest combined arm strength. I mean, like I can't off the top of my head, I can't possibly think of two guys like two guys, a team having two guys who can both legit chuck it like what 60 plus yards, second, 70, I, I, I think not 70, easily, but. easily 70 plus. Yeah, yeah. When it's they used unreal. to do, um, when they used to do the quarterback competitions in like Florida on the weekend, oh yeah. Bowl, I mean, yeah. Favre threw it, I think, 78 one time. So, yeah, I think that Jeff George and Culpepper are probably pushing it about that I would. same sort of amount. Um, wow. so Unreal. The only thing other that I want to add about Culpepper is it is kind of sad. I mean, you just – like, if that guy yeah. had a 10-year career, I know he was a tank and he was not perfect – but I think he, I think he would have had a, a really long Vikings career. And you think about it, he would have been a fully matured player by the time they got mm-hmm. to that roster in 2009 that was set to be great. And you kind of have to think about, like, man, if he doesn't get hurt, he's probably their longtime franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, it's, a, it's a great point, too, that 
you know, Vikings history, we haven't just been beset by poor decision making. It's also just bad luck sometimes. They they drafted Dante said, All right, this is our guy. And he looked yes, he had his ups and downs, but he looked he looked legit. You know, he looked like the guy who could make those throws you had to. And then he tears his, his ligaments and it's like, well, you know, that's it. There you go. See you later. And it's just it's a it's a good point and it which it, it is it is just too it is too bad. You're gonna make me sad over here. But that's okay. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, it's funny because it doesn't even make like the top 20 list of Vikings tragedies, but I think it's in there. Um, all right. Your, your last guy, another unsung, unsung hero. And this player I have a ton of respect for, too, because you see in training camp 40 mm-hmm. guys who don't have much of a chance to make the roster come in. And you're like, eh, you know, who cares about these guys? They're the roster right. set or whatever. And one, maybe one, every five years has a 10-year career in the NFL. And so it tells you how hard it is because those guys were all great players in college, and they all just get immediately cut pretty much. (laughs) And uh, Marcus Sherrill's carved himself out a role as a punt returner, and he was the quietest guy out there, and he did the job, and when they needed him to play corner, he played corner. I mean, just I think this is a great pick for your sort of unheralded type of guys with Marcus Sherrill's. Oh, yeah. I, I, Mark, I mean, he's a Minnesota guy, which all, okay, any, as you've probably learned now living in Minnesota long enough, we love our, we love our homebred guy. We love yeah. our homebred ones. You know, did you know Adam Thielen is actually from uh, Minnesota? Really? He, he, yeah. I, so much I didn't wanna, about that. I didn't want to break too much news on this podcast, but yeah, he, he is from Minnesota and was undrafted. Yeah. Anyway, um, we, yeah, we like our Minnesotans here. But um, no, Cheryl's, it was something about that, especially the last sort of like, Three years of his career, two or three years, it was like, oh, you know, they're probably going to cut Cheryl's. But he always just – yep. he did something that I tell guys when guys are trying out there and ask him, I said, listen, you have to show up and make them take you. You can't just be – do whatever. You have to say that – you have to make, put yourself in the position where they say, we got to have this guy on our team. We, you know, we got to do it. We don't have a choice. And Cheryl's, as you just said, every single year did that. Because I don't want to say he was one of the more replaceable positions. But it's pretty replaceable position in a lot of ways, right? I mm-hmm. mean, punt returner, what was he like? He wasn't even the nickel, like the dying corner. He, he was, was the, he was, oh, my God, everyone <laughs> got yeah, a disease yeah. and can't play, and now he plays right. corner. Yeah, he was way down on the depth, right, but he right. kept making the team. And, he was, and the other part, he was good at what he did. He was pretty, he was pretty good. Oh, very good, yeah. You know, like he wasn't Devin Hester, but I mean, you know, literally no one is Devin Hester. So, but he was really good at what he did. He worked his butt off every single year and he just, you know, <laughs> grinded, you know, he just showed up and he just, you know, every year it was like, you felt, you felt confidence in the guy. And like you said, I have so much respect for somebody who just goes, who works super hard, shows up at the try, you know, he's undrafted, I think, just shows up and you, you have to stand out to make it at that point, too. It's kind of like what you're saying. It's because I'm sure, yeah, they invite all these guys. And like I'm, in the media, they'll say, oh, yeah, we're pumped about all these guys. We're excited to see what we have. And like you said, 90%, it's like, all right, well, we got to have bodies here because we know right. that the starters don't want to do everything in camp. So, um, and, but he just, you know, a guy who can continue to show up and show up and just make the team. I just, like you said, I have so much respect for him. And he was pretty talented at what he did, like I said. So, yeah, people yeah. do not understand. Well, now you do after watching it this year, how hard it is to return <laughs> punts. Like if it's, you watch Percy do it or you watch Cheryl's do it, you're like, well, maybe these guys should just return punts and do a good job. And then yeah. hey, Chad Beebe, go try it. And uh, yeah, it's harder than it looks. KJ Osborne, go try it harder than uh, it looks. 
So I have never tried to catch a punt. Have you tried? I'm sure you have. Have you tried to catch an actual punt? No, I have not. So I've I asked, never have either. Yeah. I, I have asked people about it though, and so I asked Amir Abdullah because he's done mm-hmm. some punt return. I was like, so do you think I could do it? Like uh, because they'll have like an intern out there when they're right. practicing when they're warming up, and he'll catch uh-huh. some of them. He'll catch maybe like huh. two out of five or three out of five, and it's just that's the intern's only job. Um, it might be. It might be. Uh, they, they, football has jobs for everyone. I, I've joked before that eventually every player will have a position code. Like, you know, left tackle coach is going to – like run game coordinator. I saw defensive run game coordinator. That's when it's like jump the shark. Okay. But, yeah, um, Sorry. So the, the intern's like catching every once in a while. So I thought, well, I might, I'd be able to do that. And what yeah. Amir told me, though, is that's just the punter warming up. Like he's just kicking it straight up in the air now. They know how to kick like knuckleballs and everything else. And he said in a dome, you might have a chance because it doesn't move around, but in the wind, you're probably uh, forget about it. You're probably not catching too many of them. In fact, you might get hurt. So, is he saying you couldn't? Is he saying you could even get your hands on it, or that you couldn't even get like you it would, you would get to it, but just forget about it? It's just gonna wobble too much. So if he kicks a knuckleball in the wind at Lambeau or something, oh. you're going to have a pretty tough time <laughs> tracking even where it's coming down. Right. If, if he's warming up and just punting it high in the air and it's coming straight back down on a calm day at TCO Performance Center, you'll, you'll probably get like three out of five or something like that. Okay. But, okay. but if you're doing it in the real game with people running at you full speed who want to take your head off, Probably yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. It's, that it's one of those underrated things that's like, and again, as, as we see now, it's not easy to do. Like, there's a reason they pick a guy and right. say, you are the guy who does this. And obviously, you don't put your most talented person because you don't want them to get hurt out of a stupid punt return. Right. But at the same time, you can't just say, all right, uh, who's up next? Like, you know, get out there. Uh, I don't even know. BC Johnson doesn't return punts. Right. Yeah, well, that's, you know, and that's the thing is that there are so few people now who can do it um, that it's almost like for some teams and the Vikings this year, if you just got away from it and let it bounce where it's going to bounce, you probably would have been better off than (laughs) trying to return it because you get penalties and you get, you know, fumbles and things like that. So that's a great pick. Marcus Sherrill's not only undrafted, unrecruited uh, also. He was a walk-on. I forgot he was a walk-on too. That's right. That's right. Like the the double – um, the double thing. Adam Thielen at least got a scholarship. Five hundred dollars scholarship. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard the story. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite <laughs> remarkable. Uh, well, Chuck, this is it's a great list. Um, I really Thank enjoyed you. the way that you break it down from an athlete uh, perspective. And I just um, wanted to ask you before we wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. So, what's kind of your thought on? the future here with the Olympics. I mean, it's mm. seems like it's up in the air. There's some reports that they're considering, you know, Tokyo not doing it and then whatever, like, how is that just like affecting your mindset, man? Because this was something for you to really like train for every day. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it's hard. Every little up and down affects it. You know, every change that the report came out that was quickly, they came out and said, look, we don't think there was nothing to this. We feel confident, but there was, you know, I, 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 I was sitting in my room, my girlfriend came in and said, what are you doing? You've been sitting here for an hour. I was like, oh, this report came in. I was just trying to find more information. She's like, oh, okay, I get it. So it, it's hard not to let it affect you. You know, it, it really is. I think the mantra, though, that I've had to have over the last year, really at this point, almost a year, is just controlling what I can control, which is super cheesy, but it, it's just what you have to do yeah. is reality. Like, I can't control what's happening in the rest of the world. I can't control that, but I can just – you know, I can go work out every day. I can, you know, make sure I'm eating healthy, stay on top of things and do my best. But uh, we're, 
we're super optimistic, I think, that it's going to happen, you know. They've, they've got really good plans in place. They've thought really hard about it. Uh, they want it. You know, everyone wants it to happen. I think the hope is that by that time, and I know we were saying this last year, but by that time, things will hopefully have improved and gotten better to the point where they'll say, you know what, we can go ahead and do this. It's going to be a little wonky. It's definitely going to be weird. It's not going to be like the last two. But we can do it. It should be pretty safe. Uh, the challenge is they have to make that decision well in advance of that. Right. You know, they can't – it's right. not like, all right, my flight's on October – or August 24th, like on October – August 23rd. It's like, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. <laughs> right, right, right. With 10,000 people. Yeah, we can just kick it off. Right. Just fly so, everybody into Tokyo. No big deal. Um, yeah. Well, I, I am sure that you will – compete again at some point soon we'll get there <laughs> and uh sports has sort of figured out how to bubble things and i feel like the olympics are bubbleable if that's word it's a word um, now it's, it's a word yeah, now right it's a word now for sure uh if you want to follow chuck his story and his uh vikings fans uh, vikings fan thoughts at aoki that's a-o-k-i five chuck on twitter at aoki five chuck on twitter great Twitter follow awesome. you are. And I'm really glad we could do this, man. I feel like we've been Twitter friends for a long time. Oh, yeah. And now we're like real Zoom friends. So that's like the next exactly. step. And yeah. eventually we'll be real friends when you're allowed to have real friends again. Exactly. Subject. No, I appreciate the time, man. It's been, it was a lot of fun. And uh, appreciate all the work you're doing, keeping us Vikings fans entertained during this, uh, this, 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 these dark days. But the light days are ahead at some point, I think. Maybe. <laughs>